Amen. Praise God. Thank you all, um, Park Hills Band and all the musicians, for giving us this testimony of the gospel. Well, good morning. I think all of you know who I am, or many or most of you. And I just want to say what a blessing to be here this morning uh, among my family here at Park Hills um, that have poured themselves out into me. And I pray that today I would pour myself out for you. Today's message is the radical message of joy, the radical message of joy. And as I was praying and meditating over this message, this opportunity, and I was asking the Lord to use all of my personality, I was reminded that there's one part of my personality that uh, my good friend Blake likes to point out, and that's that I like to talk a lot. And in that midst, I didn't know whether to pray for you or continue to praise God for this opportunity, because most of you aren't probably going to leave until I'm done. Uh, so with that, though, you know where I'm coming from. You know where I am. But I would like to focus today on trials. We've had some trials in our lives. We've all had these times when the weight of the world just seemed like it was going to crush us. And aren't today, isn't not a day that we are reminded of the trials of our nation and the trials of our neighbors 20 miles away. From the Bastrop fires to the fires that burn in the World Trade Center, these, this day is a reminder of the life that we live. It is a life of trials. And I'd like you to open up your scripture to James chapter 1. The book of James chapter 1. For we're going to read in James a letter that I think addresses the question of trials. Specifically, how do we as Christians respond to some of the most difficult times in our lives as Christians? What is the center of this message? What is the center of this perspective? What is the center of our response? What should it be? And I think this is a radical message. Because the center, I'm going to give away the ending right now. The center, the response, the foundation is joy. Can you think of the last time you had a trial? What was that trial? How did you feel? As you were under it, as you were in it, what were your responses to the trial? What was your reaction? Were you surprised? Did you ask questions like I've asked? Why me, God? What did I do wrong? I can't do this. This is not fair. Have you experienced anger, fear, loss of hope? Well, I pray that today this is a message that will give you an answer, that will comfort and increase your joy. In James chapter 1 we read, from the, this is the New American Standard, translation. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greeting. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, 
who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. This is the message and the word of the Lord today. Let us pray and open our hearts. Lord, we come to you now, open and honest, raw and hurting. Whatever trials we are under, Lord, we are ready to listen. Whatever pressures we are in, Lord, we are ready to hear. Lord, I pray that your word would pierce us, that it would just go to the center of who we are and from there grow in us. And Lord, as trials come and as we move through them, Lord, I pray that your word would be the first place that we turn to. So, Lord, as your word comes forth this morning, let it be a bold coming forth that would grab us and hold us and care for us and lift us up. For it's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. This passage in James is a famous passage on trials. And the Lord gave this to me, I believe, because as a new Christian, not but 10 years ago, it was one of the first passages that really struck me as confusing. Joy? Joy and trials? That seems like a radical message. But before we get into that, let me tell you what trials are not so we don't have any confusion. We'll be talking about trials, but what are not trials? Trials are not the results of our bad actions. Trials are not the consequences of our mistakes. Okay? If I rob a bank and end up in prison, that does not count as a trial this morning. Okay? Sometimes, though, we do get confused, don't we? We find it a hard time to parse out the trials that come in our lives from the result of bad decisions. And let us be clear. James is talking here about trials that you and I should be very well clear of. And they are trials of persecution, trials of stress, trials of anger, despair, pain, and suffering in our hearts, bodies, and relationships because we live in a sinful, fallen world. They may be external, fires, hurricanes, natural disasters. They may be the result of sin that somebody has against us. What do we do? Well, today I'd like to offer you the Christian perspective. Sounds, like a, sounds more like a lecture than a sermon, right? The Christian perspective on trials. But there really is a Christian perspective. And you have to know it well if you're going to grab onto it and if you're going to teach it to others. Because I think all of us here need reminding, especially in the middle of a trial, what is our response? And I'd also like to point out, too, that today I will focus on two dimensions of this perspective. What does it mean as an individual Christian to be in a trial? How do we respond as an individual Christian? But we cannot forget there's another dimension. How does the church respond to trials? How do we get ourselves as the body of Christ ready and able to deal with trials? So I hope I, you will see that I'll have these two kind of contrasting responses. So first, I'd like to tell you something that's shocking from this first verse. Trials are predictable. Trials are predictable. James 1-2 says, Consider it all joy, my brothers, 
when you encounter various trials. Oh, that preposition is so critical. It is not if. It is when. Are we clear on that? Because I am so crystal clear that, guess what? I might have a trial tomorrow, and it might be a complete surprise. So I think I, personally, am not really clear. And that's the key here. James is teaching, as a pastor, his flock, the flock dispersed, the brothers and sisters in Christ, because they were experiencing some extremely dangerous and difficult trials. And he was saying, yes, that is the Christian life. You must expect them. Trials come in various forms, many colored, many dimensions, diverse and varied. And that is the challenge of trials, is it not? I could handle the same trial over and over again because I would focus on that trial, and Lord willing, I would pray, and I would read the word on that trial. But what happens when I'm in one trial? Another one comes from behind, from the side. One comes that I didn't even realize that I have a strong weakness in dealing with. So the predictability of trials are critical for us to really understand. It doesn't matter if you're on a deserted island in complete isolation. You will have trials. And it definitely doesn't matter if you're in a room full of people. If you're just staying at home on a Sunday at church and you get a call, there are thousands of acres burning in your neighborhood. We cannot lose the fact that these trials are predictable 100%. And the key here that James is trying to say is, why are you surprised by them, believer? Why are you shocked? I'm trying to prepare you to understand and to respond. Why do they catch us off guard? Do we not believe God's word? Do we not focus on it enough daily? Do we not remember the lives of the disciples? I love the disciples because if there was anybody who had trials from day one, the picture in the Gospels is clear. There is your teaching of trials. Do we not remember Christ himself, whose life on this earth was one long trial? And as God's people, as the church, Trials surprise us just as much as they surprise you and me as individuals. And we need not let that be the case. We must focus and be prepared. We must not be caught by surprise either physically or spiritually. We must be ready and able to care for those in difficult trials and be constantly in prayer and in God's word to respond effectively. So trials are predictable, 100%. It's part of who we are. It's part of the sinful, fallen world we live in, and it is especially important that James is teaching us that it is a special part of the Christian life. It has a special dimension. It has a radical outcome. Trials are predictable. But even more importantly, trials are purposeful. Here's the key that James gives us. Consider it all joy. Why? Knowing. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It is not the case that trials equal joy. It is the fact that trials equal endurance. And because of that reality as a Christian, joy should overflow. Trials are painful. 
I, I assume that's obvious to all of us. But it is not the case that pain is always bad, is it? Pain has purpose. Pain can have fundamentally important roles in our lives. I think God has given us a testimony of the power of pain through something that I will never experience, childbirth. I've heard that it's painful. <laughs> but every mother and father knows that although that is supposedly the most painful uh, experience a woman can have, or maybe any human, although I, I put stepping on Legos as a close second at 2 in the morning, barefoot. Um, what comes out of that pain? One of the most beautiful miracles, life. Is that not what God is trying to teach us? That through the pain of childbirth comes a new life. And a woman has to endure through that pain. But yet at the end of that pain, there is joy. Through that pain, not so much, at least not in my experience. But uh, I was joyful. I'm sure we were all joyful. But there is joy. And there's also joy. There's joy and pain. But what James is saying here is endurance is the key. What is endurance? Endurance can be defined as steadfastness, especially as God enables the believer to remain or under the challenges he allots in life. The word endure in the Greek is remain under. It's that picture of a weight upon you that your knees are buckling, your back is breaking, and you feel like you are going to be crushed. And yet there's supposed to be joy in there? How? How is there joy in the testing of our faith? How is there joy? Because we read throughout the scripture that testing refines, testing builds. I know that as a professor, supposedly, I test so in order that I might produce a better student. Right? Some of you who've been in college or high school or school probably disagree. Right? And I say things, platitudes like, no, this test is good for you. And it hurts me a lot more than it hurts you. <laughs> but through the testing of our faith as individual believers, there should be joy because tests refine. Refine into what? And that is the key. We're not testing here for knowledge. There is an important outcome of the test that James is pointing to, and that is so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Oh, that's so key. What is perfect? Is this the, the, the perfection of never making a mistakes? Never making any mistakes? No, it's not that type of perfection. It's the perfection of being good all the time? No. If you've been in this room Sunday after Sunday this year, you've heard this word. It's not perfection the way you and I might think of it. It is maturity. The Greek there is maturity. Testing your faith will result in maturity. But maturity into what? You'll never guess. Maturity into Christ. Maturing believers in Christ are in trials. Trials produce maturity, fully developed. God predestined you to be something in his kingdom on this earth. And it is through trials that he completes that process. It is through trials that you become more like Christ. And that is why trials are joyful. 
if you truly understand that trials, the ones you are in right now, will are, are, are producing in you, should be producing in you, are designed, are allowed by God as in the life of Job to produce in you maturity in Christ, you should be joyful. If you're not, you probably need to think and meditate on that. If the core of your trial, the core process does not allow you to find joy in the fact that you are becoming more like Christ, then we need to reevaluate our Christian life. Because there is no greater joy than becoming like our Lord and Savior. But not only should there be joy as individual disciples, there's a key here. There should be joy as the church when each of us in the church goes through trials. I love the communication in this church because as somebody's going through a trial and they reach out for prayer, I get an email. Or I come to Wednesday night. Or on Sunday morning, we hear of prayers of the body. Trials that people are going through. Difficulties. And for the church, there is an important aspect to trials. Trials point the church back to Christ. Trials point the church back to Christ. From the beginning of trials, and especially the first trial, the trial of Adam and Eve, that trial resulted in disobedience. And through the trial of Adam and Eve, sin entered the world. But after that point, the Lord used trials to build God's people, to create a testimony of his glory. I think of Abraham and Isaac. The Lord asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son, whom he had promised. And you say, what a difficult trial that must have been. Yes, it was. So much so that Abraham the talker, much like me, uh, for three days did not say a word, for he was under such pressure as he rode to the mountain to sacrifice his son. And yet we know how that story ends. For Abraham is the father of faith. And he went through with the request that seemed radical. And the Lord blessed a nation through him. And why is that important? Because you and I still read about Abraham today. He is just one of many who the Lord has used a trial, a test of faith to build up God's people. And as the disciples came and witnessed Christ and experienced the cross and the resurrection and the Holy Spirit coming, the trials they experienced, we read about. What does all that mean? It means it points us all back to Christ himself. We must praise God for trials, for it is during trials that the church becomes something that it would not be otherwise. Historically, we know that it is during the toughest of trials that the church has risen. I remember a story in the 4th century. There was a plague in Europe. And it, people understood that touching a dead body was bad during this plague. So nobody buried their dead. But it was the Christians of certain areas in Europe that decided, first of all, they would bury the dead believers. And you say, well, fine. But you know what else they did? They buried the dead of a non-believer. 
because of the love they felt, the church rose up and did something that nobody else would do. And that testimony still exists today. Even though soon before and soon after, the church would experience persecuting trials. Yet it is during the trials of some of the most terrible natural disasters that the church rises up. Adam and Eve disobeyed in the garden. But the trials of your life and my life in the church should point us to another garden. The Garden of Gethsemane, where Christ himself was under great stress, was under pain and suffering as he pondered the cross. Some commentators state that it is at that point that God removed himself from the presence of Christ to begin this trial. My point is, if you read the gospel account of the garden, there is no doubt that Christ was under extreme pain. But that garden did not end in disobedience, dear friends. That garden ended in obedience and glory. From, from that point, Christ, with joy, I believe, went to the cross. Without pain, no. Without suffering, no. But an underlying joy and love that you and I need to find and need to express today. So for the church... Trials are joyful because they point back to the salvation we have in Christ. The church is built up through trials, but really, the, the trials of the church must point us back to who we are, and we are the bride of Christ. But if you don't know the salvation of Christ, you don't understand this radical message. That I can get excited, at least right here and right now, and I pray that every day, like Job, I can worship and praise God, especially because I have a Savior and I have a Lord, Christ. If you don't know Christ, you won't understand this message. To the world, it will seem radical. To the world who asks, why do these things happen? They won't never understand. But you can have this joy. This is an incredible joy. You'll have praise and worship you've never experienced. You'll have fellowship you've never thought imaginable. You'll have a love that is indescribable. You'll have a life of joy that is unbelievable. More importantly, you'll have an eternity of joy that is without end. That is the offer. I'd love to talk to you about that at some point, or others here would, if you don't understand how we can be joyful during times of great pain and suffering. So trials are purposeful. Before that, trials are predictable. But lastly, James does not leave us in the purpose. He moves us forward and gives us a picture of the trial and a picture of an important outcome. Lastly, trials are practical. They are practical. James 1.4, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. What's the practical outcome of trials, James says? Wisdom. Well, wisdom has a lots, of, lots of meanings in today's society. We really need to get back to the biblical meaning of wisdom. And here we're talking about a wisdom specifically of how to deal with that trial. 
Isn't that what you want? Yes, we want to get out of the trial as quickly as possible. I understand that. I'm human as well. I don't like pain and suffering. Sometimes I praise God that I'm not a woman. You know, although I do tell my wife, if I could, I would. If I could do childbearing, I would. But of course, we know that's not true. Uh, no, wisdom and how to deal with pain is a practical application of a life of testing and faith. Wisdom is the ability to know how to react to trials as a believer and as a disciple of Christ. Without wisdom, there is doubt. The inability to endure a trial. The inability to act in a trial. The inability to see through the trial to the other side. The inability to be like Christ in a trial. We cannot doubt. We must have wisdom. And James is giving us a promise. If in the middle of the trial you cry to God for wisdom, God will provide. When wisdom exists through the perseverance of trials, there is a wonderful result. Joy. Pure joy. But the opposite of wisdom is doubt. And the picture here of being tossed back and forth in the sea is being completely anchorless. Through the trial, having no anchor, no foundation of which to understand. Being tossed backwards and forwards. So wisdom is this practical application. Trials are practical because they result in wisdom if we ask in faith through the testing of our faith. How amazing is that? That as our faith is tested in a trial, in faith we must reach out to God. That is the ultimate test. But as I see it, we can get even more practical, more applied, because there are things that happen in trials that really build us as individual believers. First of all, our knowledge of Christ grows. When you are in that trial and when you cry out for that wisdom, one of the first elements of that wisdom is your knowledge of Christ increases. I think of the disciples on the sea in the storm being tossed backwards and forwards, suffering, fear, and Christ was asleep. But as he awoke, he calmed the storm he made the waves die down, and he brought peace. And what was the disciples' response? Well, it wasn't joy, but it was no longer fear. The word says the disciples were amazed. And then they asked an important question. What kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Through trials, our knowledge of Christ grows, and our faith is increased. But there's something else. Not only does our knowledge of Christ grow, our identity with Christ grows. Paul, the great missionary, as he's coming to the end of his life, Paul had been through a lot of trials. Stoning, jail, beatings. He was in his own storm, shipwrecked. Desertion by many brothers and sisters in Christ. He writes in Philippians 1.20, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. When you go through trials, not only does your knowledge of Christ grow, but your identity with Christ grows. You start to look at yourself and start to see Christ in you, and you start to move toward Christ. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul had gotten to that point where his life equaled Christ. And that is what we all want, I pray. That is what we all need 
is to identify with Christ through every pain and suffering. When our identity with Christ grows, our faith is revealed to the world. When it is not me, but Christ who is in me, our faith is revealed. And lastly, after our knowledge of Christ grows, after our identity with Christ grows, our glory in Christ grows. Paul writes in Romans 8, 16, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Our glory in Christ grows as individual believers as well as the church. When our glory in Christ grows, our faith is expressed. When the glory of Christ in the church grows, that is when we are out in the world through pain and suffering, joyfully proclaiming the glory of Christ. That is the expression of our faith. When wisdom exists, action in the face of trials should result. What should be your response? Joy. Deep abiding joy. Through the pain. The pain will not not be there. Pastor Samuel had a wonderful quote that when you become a Christian, suffering does not end, but suffering is not your end. Glory is your end in Christ. So there will be pain and grief, but underneath there, your foundation is joy. That even though Job was blameless, he did go through a trial. And as that trial moved forward to the most devastating of outcomes, losing of his family, as he was angry and painful and confused, the words out of his mouth were praise and worship be to God. And one of my favorite verses, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can we do that? As individual believers, do we have the strength and the faith to know that the Lord is blessed even through the trial? If you want a checklist, if you want, uh, I'm a very hands-on kind of person. If you, if you, I, do I need a checklist? Yes, I do. If you want a checklist of how pain and suffering and trials and, and, and all of that, what should be re- the, the result as a Christian? Look to the fruits of the Spirit. Through the pain and suffering, you should see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you can point to that expression through the trial, if you can point to some of those outcomes through the trial, you know you are maturing in Christ through trials. Christ, through his life and death and resurrection, never stopped expressing these fruits. Did Christ experience pain? Yes, a pain unimaginable. Yet the fruits of the Spirit remain well within him. So much so that even on the cross, as he was in physical pain and spiritual pain, when a man on a cross next to him asked, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. That is the Savior I worship. That is the Lord my God. That is the fruit of the Spirit. 
And that is the picture of trial that we should try to be. Not only are trials practical for the, you as the believer and for us as a church, I want to leave you with one last idea. Trials are practical for the world. The world is watching. And guess what? They take most notice of you and me, our faith, when a trial comes into our lives. It is no coincidence that Christ is trying to prepare his disciples for that day that will come when they are persecuted and they are martyred and their response must be like his own. Obedience, love, joy. We cannot forget that as we deal with our own struggles, there are others watching. The world is watching. And it is during these times that the gospel is preached most powerfully in the world when you as a believer can turn to a non-believer in the midst of a crushing trial and go, I love God. He is my rock. I don't understand what's going on, but I know that he is faithful. And I will never leave him. That's the radical message of Christianity. That's the radical message of discipleship. That in the midst of your trial, the world, when it sees you, it sees something it does not understand. Love, joy, peace. It sees sacrifice. My, my dear wife Diane and I never fight. We just have disagreements. And I will admit to you that once in a while she says things that get me. I'm sure none of you are like that. They get to me. And I have a choice to make. That's a little trial, isn't it? It's the ones that we ignore more often than not. A fire burning down your house, we cannot ignore that trial. But dear friends, do we ignore the little trials, the temptations in our hearts every day? When Diane says a word, she may not even know it, and it attacks my pride. Do I respond to her in anger, or do I respond to her in love and lift her up? doesn't make any sense that when you are carrying your cross as the Lord calls us to pick up every day a torture an instrument of torture that as you're carrying your cross as a believer you can turn to someone else and try to pour yourself into them and try to love them and lift them up higher than you that is the picture of trials that is throughout the scriptures and we must take hold of it we must embed it deep in our hearts and in our spirits. There are Christians now in Bastrop who are praising God that very few lives were lost and that they know that all they did lose was a material thing, that what they do have, Christ, can never be burned in a fire, can never be destroyed in a tower, can never be taken away by a cross. And yet there are Christians who are walking around in Bastrop now asking, why, God? Why did this happen to me? And they need to hear the comforting words of James. They need to hear the word and the prayers so that they might grow in Christ, so we might all be a witness and a testimony 
to our Lord and Savior. If we can do that, church, we will be something that we've never seen. If we can do that as individual believers, we will be a light that cannot be darkened. If we can do that, church, we really will be a city on a hill that everyone will turn to for answers. We have the answer, joy, because we have our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the glory that is within it and within you. Lord, I ask that this morning you would soften our hearts, open our minds to understand and to be prepared for the trials that will come, the trials that we are in, and Lord, to release the pain and suffering from the trials we have already passed through. You tell us, Lord, that your burden is easy and your yoke is light. Lord, while we are under the crushing weight of a trial, now and in the future, Lord, I pray that you would remind us of these comforting words, that in an instant when we call out to you, there might be the opportunity to switch burdens, for you have taken on the burden of the world, the sin of the world, and you have released us from the pain and suffering of eternal separation from God. Lord, thank you for this morning, and I pray that all here would be ready, would be vigilant, prepared in their hearts, deep in the word, praying without ceasing, preparing for the day to come, and that we might be a light to the nations, that we might be the salt of the earth, that we might be Christ. Lord, I would ask us that in our moments of silence here, that we would give ourselves to you. We would surrender everything we have, especially during a trial. We would surrender all to you. Let us decrease, Lord. Please increase in us. For we do this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please stand as we sing one closing song and reflect on this uh, message that Sam brought to us this morning.
seated. Well, thank you, Samuel, for preaching to us a radical message. Joy in, in trials, trials and struggles. Joy in trials and struggles is a radical challenge. And only the Christians can display it. Only the Christians can display it. And many of us are still struggling through that. My prayer is that we would seek the Lord, his wisdom, so that some of us are in the middle of a trial right now, as others of us are about to begin a trial and we don't know it. I pray that God would fill us with a wisdom so that we may respond in a way that will lead us to endurance, will lead us to maturity. Praise be to God. Well, today, if you're with us this morning, thank you for being here. For all of you who have joined us as visitors and guests, thank you for joining us. Encourage you and remind you to continue uh, our fellowship together in the fellowship hall for our monthly luncheon. Encourage you to join us and uh, encourage you to consider all the things that are going on in the life of Park Hills Baptist Church and encourage you to sign up for various ministries and opportunities to serve and to be discipled. May the Lord bless you all. Let's bow our heads in a final prayer. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip us with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace, and let's respond with charity to the fires in Bastrop. May God lead us. Amen. Amen.